Yeah, you do. Yeah. Why not try it? Okay, I think we're into our episode. So Jordan was just talking about how despite the fact that he doesn't have drawing talent, he wants to animate his own series. So we'll see how that goes. I just need somebody to draw the things and then I'll move the things. Oh, I thought you wanted to draw it. No, I don't want to draw it at all. I just want to move the things that are already drawn on the paper. Okay. So we're back. Leah's yawning. I guess we're we're already a little too tired to go on with this damn world. I didn't sleep very much last night. Oh no. But it's fine. Well, we're back. Yeah. Folks, I hope you enjoyed that ad. Whatever that ad was. <laughs> we left off at number 29. Or we're starting at 29 now. Yeah. Yeah. You go because I rambled on about Babadook. Well, we're going into Lady Bird. Nice. Is it on your list? No, no. but I love it. Uh, Lady Bird, like I talked about it a little bit already, Greta Gerwig is probably one of the filmmakers that we're going to be seeing the most in the next like 20 years. Yep. Um, and this was kind of the film that put her on the map because it was her first film that she directed, right? Or did she direct Mistress America? No. Noah Baumbach. I directed. thought that she did. They co-direct it. Maybe, maybe I didn't do my research. Right. But um, <laughs> I haven't watched it, so I don't know that much about it. But uh, super cool film. Like I said, it's just super polished. It's just like a perfect film in a lot of ways. Like I don't think you could have made like an independent film trope in a more perfect way. And that's how I guess I'll put it. <laughs> yeah. It felt like. Oh, sorry. No, go. Just like what I was saying, like, it just felt... For what Greta Gerwig, like, her persona is, it felt very weird for it to be a very sterile film, but also she wants to be considered a Scorsese, I think, in a lot of ways. Like, that's what I heard her saying in an interview, is, like, she was talking about how much she watches Scorsese films. And I think that's dope, because, like, even if she is, like, this grungy, artsy girl from, like, Northern California... Mm-hmm. Like, she is now trying to be Scorsese and kind of succeeding. Like, she just did a very massive period piece with Little Women, with the best stars of our generation, probably. Um, and Lady Bird was kind of starting that trend, I guess, with her own, like, personal story of becoming an artist, I guess, in a way, through Lady Bird. Yeah. The person, Lady Bird. Not the film, Lady Bird. <laughs> <laughs> That, I love the mother-daughter relationship the most. Like, I know, like, I love Allison Janney, and she definitely deserved, like, to win an Oscar, but, like, I wish that, um, like, her her performance was more one-note, which is not her fault. Like, that's what the character was and called for. Uh, but I thought that the, the performance from Laurie Metcalf was so just... There were so many layers of that. It was such a realistic mother-daughter... Like, I mean, I think, like, there's probably, like, when it comes to my mom, like, I love her more than anything, but, like, I also, we've had those moments of, like, it's just impossible to, like, even get through to each other, like, and this movie really, like, really represented that well. Yes, I also agree with that. Mm-hmm. Being young, being an artist, being a child in post-2000 world. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very chill. Good movie. What was your 29? Let's see. My number 29. I like how how we just went into like a four-hour podcast. (laughs) We just don't podcast like ever, and now we're just doing like a four-hour podcast. I know. This morning we were talking about something else, and I was like, oh, I want to do a podcast. And you're like, oh, can you come over? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And now it's just four hours for you guys. How blessed are you guys? How blessed. On your New Jersey transit trains and your car radios and your earbuds as you try to fall asleep and not think about the things that you hate in life. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, My number 29 is kind of like a joint um, movie. Not that kind of movie. It's Harry Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2. Whoa! Hot take! I fucking... Who directed those movies? Uh, David Yates. And, uh... Okay, so... Wait. Never seen these. Don't even know who dies. 
<laughs> I can. Will you please like get with humanity, Jordan? Because I can't do this. I can't do this. I, I ugh, God. What good would this podcast be if I've seen Harry Potter? Oh my God. It works wait, because wait, I haven't seen Harry wait, Potter wait. and you have. You love reading, so you should read. Have you read any of the books? I read one of them Jesus in the Christ. middle. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. Um, I'm just gonna... <sighs> I feel like Take I was too young breath. to read them when the first one came out. Okay. I'm That's true. I'm I was not... too young to read them when the first one came out, so I started with the movies and then, like, once I had already seen movies, I was like, why should I start reading from the beginning? Which is because, dumb, oh and there's God. probably more mythology, and I probably would have loved mythology, but that's just not where... Okay, do me a favor. Go yeah. to the library. Um, get Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I can't. I can't. Take I just it off can't the shelf. Why? I just don't have the time to go to Harry Potter right now. I can't, Jordan. It's I can't go so back to good. Harry Potter. I need to, like, expand my horizons. I'm just... I'm leaving. Um, also, I really don't like J.K. Rowling at this point, and I don't really want to support her. See, I don't care. Like, I mean, I don't want to like go hang out with her, but like, I don't care what she says because like I love Harry Potter, and I don't, I don't need her to be like the greatest person in the world. I just like love Harry Potter. I just don't love billionaires who <laughs> tell us not to have Jeremy Corbyn or Bernie Sanders, but we can move on from that. I haven't even been, I, well, I know that she said some shit, I haven't even been keeping up with it, so I don't even know like exactly what she said, but um, that- um, She literally is just like to everyone, oh, 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 labor, oh, labor, oh. Okay, thank you for that. Um, so anyway- I don't know how to like say this, uh, but you are missing out on a huge part of life, and you need to experience no, Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> but like, I, so I love the movies. The books are undoubtedly so much better, and there's a lot that the movies leave out. Um, I mean, Alfonso Cuarón directed one of them, so like, I feel like you really should watch at least that one, even though you'll be totally lost. But um, yeah, I. Mean, oh, I've seen most of the Harry Potters. They, okay, so like obviously Harry Potter was a huge part of is a huge part of my life and my childhood and my existence, and that's like a whole other story. But um, so these movies specifically, it um, it's one book, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. They separate it into two movies, and the first movie is like very slow. It's like very calm. Um, there's not that many action scenes. It's, it feels like a completely different genre of movie than all the other movies. And it's, um, I don't, can't, I don't know where, I can't explain the plot. I don't know where to begin. But, like, it's very, very, um, like, I think of it as almost, like, quiet. It just seems so vastly different from the other installments. And I love it. It's brilliant. Like, they take their time with it. They really take the time to, like, take you through this story piece by piece and spend time with these characters. It's devastating, it's beautiful, it's incredibly well shot. And then they have the second one, which is almost all action, and is like the Battle of Hogwarts. It's the end of the series. And I mean, if you're a Harry Potter fan, I like I don't know if this let anybody down. I don't, I mean, I'm sure it did, but like I um, went to the midnight, the premiere um, with my friend at the Ziegfeld Theater and um, you know, we just were stunned beyond reason, and um, I absolutely think that they, like, I have a lot of critiques about all the movies, but these, the last, like, the Deathly Hallows, I really don't have that many critiques at all. Like, I just think it was brilliant, and they did so much justice. They really, really did, and I'm so happy that something that meant so much to so many people ended in such a great way. Wonderbar. Yeah. My next film is at 28 is Killing of a Sacred Deer. Nice. Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, it's a great movie. That's probably my favorite of his movies. Yeah, no, it was just a great horror film. Fun, disturbing. Uh, makes you not want to eat spaghetti. Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell, just great. Uh, yeah, very eyes wide shutty. Mm-hmm. Um... Nicole Kidman literally has been fucking killing it. Like, are you kidding me? Oh, she's one of the greatest actresses <laughs> of all time. Like, what? She does everything. Like, does she ever stop? Like, she's a different generation than Meryl Streep, but, like, 
I feel like she is probably the greatest actress of all time, Nicole Kidman. In what? Ways. Yeah. Okay. I feel like we're gonna look back because, like, look at the pace she's acting in films right now. It's weird that she has, like, she's like, never going to slow down, and she's kind of outpacing Meryl Streep now. Like, Meryl Streep is going to eventually be gone, and, like, oh we're going God. to be sad. And she's going to be this. passing her. Yeah, no, I'm just, like, it's just, like, wild. Like, they're both great, and they work together. Yeah. But, like, I think she is, like, an icon. Like, she's just been in so many things. They are And, really... like, a lot of, like, really psychological things that have, like, defined humanity. They are so awesome together in Big Little Lies, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, wow, yeah, okay. Cool, we can move on. Alright. Disturbing film, watch it. Yeah, I have another disturbing film, my number 28, Shutter Island. Not on my list. Marty. Go off, go off. Oh my god, where <laughs> I, I don't even know. It's uh, So, I also had a lot of anticipation on this movie because when I was young, I mean I'm still young, but when I was young, I worked on, my first ever paid job was with none other than Marty Scorsese. And... Um, his crew had just come from doing this movie and they were all miserable <laughs> and they all talked about it endlessly like how it was the worst shoot ever and they you know it like like they literally like some people wouldn't even talk about it like they all had like shutter island like zip ups and hats on but they like wouldn't even talk <laughs> like someone would bring it up and they would like shudder and like start crying um it was like very funny so I was like so I was like oh my god what the fuck happened during this movie and basically they were just acting like that because of like the remote location and, like, the weather and shit like that was, like, very rough on the crew. Um, and yeah, like, this movie is, it's like a haunted house movie almost, but it's about an asylum. Um, it's, it's one of those, like, what is reality movies. It's incredibly haunting. Like, deeply, deeply, deeply haunting. Um, the dream sequences in it, holy shit. Like, some of the best dream sequences since The Sopranos. Um, (laughs) and, uh... Like, the scenes with all the burning, um, where, like, where Leo is holding Michelle Williams and she disappears, like, all that kind of shit. Oh, my God, was that just so brilliantly executed. Uh, I love Mark Ruffalo as, like, the 50s detective. It's everything. Um, Leo, obviously, like, what else can you say about him? He's, like, my favorite person in history, so I don't know what else to say about that. And, uh... This movie's, like, very sprawling. Like, it encompasses this whole world of this, like, creepy island with this asylum on it. And it's just so believable. And, like, I love the cave scene with Patricia Clarkson and Leo DiCaprio. She's brilliant and everything as well. Uh, Emily Mortimer, great. Uh, This is another movie where, like, the color palette for me is just everything. Uh, And I don't know what else to uh, say. What do you think about Shutter Island? I haven't seen it. Holy motherfucking hell. Jordan... Is it in the book? If it's not in the book, I'm not watching it's it. It's probably not in the book, but... Uh, like, it might be. Oh, my Let's God. See. I just think... Folks, do you think it's in the book? Respond on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I can't cope with you at the moment. Why? Because I'm just a slave to the book? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's so many films I have to see. Uh, it's not in the book. Sorry. Sorry, Marty. That's I'm not okay. watching your dumb film. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm joking. Rude. I'm going to watch it, Marty. I joke with you. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's, like, it's beautiful in a scary way. The thing is, like, Martin Scorsese, like, knows he's one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Yeah. And, like, when people look at American film, they look at him, like, the same way we look at foreign films, you know? Yeah. And, like, the foreign directors that people who go to film school know about. <laughs> I just look at him as an angel that was given to us um, by Jesus. Yeah, but he's just—he's just far and ahead, like the most complete filmmaker that we've had I love for it. generations. Yeah. So then, don't call his movie stupid. Or I know, but that's why—that's why it's funny that I make the joke because, like, obviously, Martin Scorsese is one of the greatest. Yeah. You know, right. and I do respect him, and although. We'll we'll get to talking a little bit later about right. a topic when I'm it comes sure up. Come in our, up again. Yeah. Um, my twenty seven was eighth grade. Nice. Which like Bo Burnham definitely defined this decade in a lot of ways. It's a modern classic. And Absolutely. this film definitely is Bo Burnham's impact on the world, I think, in a lot of ways. And like what he means to, like, art and, like, what the internet has done to art and, like, how we kind of have become obsessed with our self-image and, like, putting ourselves out there into the world because of him, 
you know, like he was one of the first people who was like, hey guys, look at me. I'm like playing piano in my room. Come, <laughs> come check it out. And like now everybody does that. Like literally everybody is on YouTube playing piano in their room or on Instagram playing piano or doing stupid mm-hmm. stuff. And like he started that and this is kind of the world that he created, oddly enough, <laughs> is like now people are obsessed with Instagram and their phones because of Bo Burnham. And he did have a very, like, loving look at, like, childhood and, like, the traumas of growing up. Uh And it was just beautiful. I'll actually never forget the first time I saw him. I thought, um, first of all, I thought he was, like, so attractive. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Um, But his comedy was so, like, it was so different. It was so what we needed at the time. And, like, just knowing, I think he's, like, he's, like, very close to our age. So, like... Also, just, like, seeing someone who was, like, our age just, like, putting himself out. Just, like, basically, like, making himself famous, like you're saying, you know. It was it was just so cool. He really is groundbreaking, and the movie's amazing. Yeah, I think, like, he gets very lost in the shuffle of, like, this world of influencers because, like, he was actually talented, and a lot of these influencers are not talented. <laughs> like, they're just personalities. They're just being reality TV, like outside like these crazy personas but like he was literally just writing these insane songs and Mm -hmm. doing this like imagine if soundcloud was popular when he was starting like he might have had a totally different career where he would have dropped like four albums on soundcloud maybe (laughs) and we'd be talking about bo burnham differently but instead we're like oh he was like basically the youtuber who ruined youtube Mm -hmm. because once he was exploited there was no more like free thought on YouTube. You just had to pay to get your stuff promoted or else it was going to get lost in the shuffle. Have you heard his interview with The Hollywood Reporter, a words chatter podcast? No, I don't think I have. You should listen to that because he's basically, like, everything you're explaining, he he tells the whole story from the beginning of, like, in his words, like, what happened. And it's really interesting. Word. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. What's your 27? 27 Club. Her... Her. Cool. So. Yeah. You could go off. Um, I'm just going to read this quote that I saved from her. Uh, Dear Catherine, I've been sitting here thinking about all the things I wanted to apologize to you for. All the pain we caused each other. Everything I put on you. Everything I needed you to be or needed you to say. I'm sorry for that. I'll always love you because we grew up together and you helped make me who I am. I just wanted you to know there will be a piece of you in me always, and I'm grateful for that. Whatever someone you become, and wherever you are in the world, I'm sending you love. You're my friend to the end. Love, Theodore. That's all I have to say. That's it? Mm-hmm. That's all you have to say about the film? Yes. I feel that says it all. <laughs> um... Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I definitely, like, have some kind of emotional attachment to my phone and definitely feel (laughs) chiller because of my phone. Yeah. And, like, besides the beauty of, like, this weird romance, which is really what the film is, as you're pointing out, and, like, an odd, odd love story. (laughs) But romance is romance, you know? Yeah, no. It's real, though. Like, is there something wrong with loving your phone? I don't think so. If it doesn't hurt anybody else. That's my motto of life. Like, just don't hurt anybody else, and I don't care what the fuck you do at all. Same as Lars and the Real Girl is going to normalize sex dolls. Great movie. Fantastic movie. Not in this decade, though, so we can't talk about it. Right. It defined this decade, but (laughs) we can't talk about it yet. Yeah. (laughs) We can't do that until we're in 2025 talking about the best films of the millennium so far. 25 years. Yeah. That'll be a tough one. Very. <sighs> so we're on to 26. You betcha. Black Swan. Wait. Oh, that's my 25. Cool. <laughs> Sweet. What's your 26? Boyhood. I did not have boyhood in the end. So you can talk about boyhood. Lord. Uh, How funny. Would you have thought that I wouldn't have had boyhood and you would? I don't know. I mean, I loved it. Um... I thought you were a boyhood hater. Maybe I'm what the fuck? That's else. Brendan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, Brendan hates it. Also, Rena hates 
Boyhood too. Oh my god! Well, they can go watch another movie together, and we'll watch Boyhood. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I love this movie. I love basically all Richard Linklater movies. He has such a wide range of talent. It's so like all the different things he can do. But uh, it, this movie obviously was incredibly ambitious, and I just love that anyone had the balls to do this concept of filming someone literally growing up over a period of years, rather than casting three or four different you know, people to play this boy throughout different periods of his life. Um, some of the storytelling is a little bit basic. I think, like, it did have to suffer a little bit because of the concept. Um, but I don't... I, I think that, like, as much as there is some, like, basic stuff in it, there's also some, like, incredible truths about family and I think, like, the tension... Um, the tension in the household, especially with, like, the stepfather. Like, I've never had that scenario happen, but I felt like I did when I watched it. Uh, and Ethan Hawke is one of my favorite people always brilliant Patricia Arquette won the Oscar obviously and like I just think that she is one of the greatest actresses of our generation and I was so happy to well I guess not our generation she's older than me but um, I was really happy that she got recognized for this finally because I just always feel like she's a genius Um, and yeah I just it's so amazing to me that no one else had really done this before. Or maybe, I, I feel like someone had done something similar, but I can't remember right now. The craziest feat of filmmaking. Yeah. It's like, ask somebody who's tried to do any videos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I am kind of ending... Uh, I, I think I'm done with my uh, assessment of Boyhood. I just... It's so good. How can you... How can you not... How can you not like it? I just wish Brendan or Brina were here right now so we could hear this, like ridiculous nonsense that would come out of their mouths well like a lot of i don't think a lot of people respect the feat of filmmaking which is like literally showing people at different times in their lives which like is not done Mm -hmm. i don't know i wonder how many filmmakers have projects going like that right now like you were saying yeah because it's like a lot of the time when a new concept becomes very popular suddenly you see tons of shit that's the same pop up but like obviously it would take like 12 years for another movie like this to pop up because you would have to film it over that period of time Um, now I'm on to 25 and we're going to go back to my 26 because my 25 is Florida Project. Oh, the Florida Project. Black Swan is my 25. I know. So now we're talking about Black Swan as predicted. Um, it's a, it's a very, 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 very well-crafted descent into madness. And I could so easily see how this could happen too. Because I'm an actress, not the same as being a ballerina, but, like, there's, you know, maybe even more rejection when it comes to being a ballerina. Because, like, Mm -hmm. there's not really different types of ballerinas. Like, whereas there's many different types of actors. Especially now, like, you're seeing more and more, like, diversity and, like, body diversity, too, and stuff like that. But, like, you know, there's so many different types of movies you could do or theater, um, you know, plays you could do and things like that but you have to be a certain specific thing to be a ballerina and there are so many things that can go wrong and uh one of my best friends growing up was a was like had her heart set on being like a prima ballerina like in abt um and she ended up even going to school um at an arts like a ballet school for it but she ended up quitting because it was so hard on her body and like she was one of those those people too when we were growing up like she was so strict like even as a child like we were like 10 and she was like, I was like, oh, come over. And she's like, I can't. I have dance. And I'm like, oh, come over after. And she's like, no, like, as soon as I leave like school, basically, my mom's driving me from school to the ball- to um, the dance school. And then, like, I'm going to be dancing all night. And then I have to come home and do my homework and go to sleep, basically. Like, that was her whole life. And um, I could so easily see how this movie could happen. Like, even though there's obviously many fantastical elements of it, like, it does not at all seem... Um, far-fetched to me at all that this could happen to somebody and also it was the return just being an artist in the aughts like Mm -hmm. you literally can never do enough (laughs) right yeah and um you know uh Winona Ryder hadn't had like a big part like I mean it's a small part but like it's influential um she says the word cock which was very important and um you know even if that was the only thing this movie had accomplished is like putting Winona Ryder in an important role, it would still be basically the most important movie of all time. So, uh, yeah, I absolutely, like, think it's one of the best movies of the decade by far. Well, 
We could just move on. What? You don't have anything... Was that exactly what you were going to say? <laughs> uh, I just think it's just beautiful stylistically and, mm-hmm. like, disturbing and just the best portrayal of an artist in a lot of ways and mm-hmm. just, like, what it is being an artist in this decade. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think anybody has gotten it better that, like, you're really never going to be enough because there's always somebody who's been training just as hard as you, just as long as you, and, like, is willing to go further is willing it has some other advantage over you and like it is so saturated to be an artist right now just because of the internet like everybody has access to all the same information and it's like if you want to be an artist you can and like you just have to research it and go find it and because of that there are just so many of everything (laughs) and also just like this age of like helicopter parents and like over scheduling kids and stuff like that and like pushing your kids further and further down their passion like that's just huge in our society right now and probably one of the reasons why everybody I know has anxiety and everybody I know has depression and shit like that it's just like damn uh is it really worth it to be pushed to be the best when like there isn't even going to be a fair best you know like mm-hmm. when it comes down to it it's just random and like a lot comes down to chance well can we talk about the ending sure um spoilers if you haven't seen it yet then like i'm not waiting for your like lame ass i don't care um so yeah she dies like and like she feels after her performance she said i was perfect and she dies i mean honestly like goals because <laughs> like if you died in the very moment that you felt that you literally were perfect at your craft that you had worked your whole life and sacrificed everything including your mental health for like that's not a bad way to die i would love that so similar to an adam sandler film that we're going to be talking about <laughs> i was going to say that, but I, I, see, that just came out so I, it's fine like I don't we're not going to name the adam that. sandler film we're just going to say like right. an offhanded <laughs> comment if you know you know if you don't then we're just murder gonna mystery on. um yeah all right well Good segue onto my 24. Okay. Good time. Oh, my tire. Sweet. So we don't even need to talk about it. Let's move on to your 24. Social network. Cool. I mean, what is there to say? This is Just definitely... Just to find a generation of hateful white men. It's one of the best movies <laughs> uh, probably ever. It's so good. It's really compellingly tells the story of what happened. In a very, I mean, it's over-dramatized in the most perfect way. I love the music, I love the film, uh, the filmography, oh my god, uh, the cinematography, and I think that um, Andrew Garfield and Jesse Eisenberg together are one of the best on-screen, like, pairings. The casting is so perfect, the chemistry between them, the scene, like, obviously, you know, if you've seen this movie, you know what fucking scene I'm about to mention. <laughs> like, their, their fight when, you know, he's saying, like, I'm going to come back and get you for everything. Obviously, it's, like, one of the best things I ever committed to film, so. Do yourself a favor, turn that movie on. Yeah, just in a lot of ways, it's also been the defining movie of the decade because Facebook has so much fucking money and so much fucking power. They literally are the reason that Donald Trump is president right now (laughs) because they weren't able to filter through ads that were giving false information. (laughs) And now we're stuck with this crazy maniac in the White House just having disregard for all other nations in this world. (laughs) Um, and it's all because of Facebook. It's all because a guy wanted to rate women at his college. Oh my god. (laughs) It's such a fascinating story, too. You can't... That's why I think it's hilarious whenever Mark Zuckerberg has to uh, go in front of Congress and defend Facebook. Mm -hmm. Like, fuck you. I hope you get grilled. Yeah. (laughs) You just can't, like... You just can't imagine this happening, and yet it did. Yeah. It just got so big. And, like, he definitely just had the right Harvard goons, like, behind him Mm -hmm. to back up his projects. And, like, he had the right funders at the right time. And, like, now we have this monster that, like, literally should be controlled by the government because it's too big and controls too much of the information. I recently deleted Facebook from my phone, and now I only go on it if I'm on my computer. Like, I have to keep it because of my business. But, um... and, And honestly, like, I like it because I like... I like that there's so many people in the world, in my life, from my past, that, like, 
realistically, if social media wasn't a thing, like I wouldn't be calling these people to keep in touch. I wouldn't be sending them letters or even emailing or whatever, but like I can kind of keep up with their lives and they can keep up with mine. I do like that. Uh, but I just don't want to have it on my phone. I don't want to have it at my fingertips every every minute, you know? Yeah, no, I really want to delete Facebook. It makes me super depressed constantly. Uh, and if I wasn't doing comedy, I would probably delete Facebook. Mm-hmm. It just sucks that, like, the only way to find out about shows and gigs and mics and shit like that is on Facebook. Like, I guess you could look at Instagram, but, like, Instagram's algorithm sucks, so, like, you're going to miss stuff. And Instagram's more about visuals, too, like... You know, Facebook is like anything. Like, like you can post it. Like, I try to post. I mean, you can post anything on Instagram too. But like, I try to post stuff on my Instagram that's more like visually appealing because that's like the whole thing with Instagram. Whereas like Facebook, like anyone post any stupid shit on Facebook. You know, that's why it's like such a waste of time all the time. <laughs> all right. So let's move on to twenty three. My twenty three was Roma. Mine is Moonlight. Well, my moonlight is way higher. Yeah. So I guess we'll talk about Roma right now. Do you not have Roma on your list? It's not on my list. Cool, yeah. No, I just thought, like, Alfonso Cuaron, like, I'll give him credit for being the master filmmaker that he is. Like, this is definitely his best film. Uh, And it shows his hometown in, like, a beautiful way. I think some of the class issues of the film are a little uh, patting Hollywood on the back E. And, like, especially after watching Parasite, like, I do not look at this film in the same way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we'll be talking about Parasite later. Um, (laughs) But, no, Roma's, like, very classic. It's just the most beautiful film that we've been graced with in a lot of ways. Like, Moonlight is also one of the most beautiful films, though, so I shouldn't give Alfonso Cuaron with his, like, pandering film. (laughs) Like, credit, but... uh, no, it's beautiful, and I think, like, minus, like, the class stuff in it, I think it's dope as hell, and, like, a very, like, cinematic film. Like, I just can't get, like, the naked sword bit out of my head. Yeah. Like, that is just, like, when you see that scene, you're just like, okay, I'm in for a Netflix ride right now. <laughs> That's what I signed up for. Yeah, I'm just, you're like, like, seeing the field of extras. You're just, like, not expecting that. You're like, wait, this is this is a different movie than what I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I, like, I feel like I should say that any list that I make with movies, it's not, unless I literally, I guess, specified that I was, it's not, like, a technical, I'm not, like, listing them based on technical merit, it's my personal favorite and the stuff that speaks the most to me, so, like, just because Roma's on my list, like, obviously I do think it is, like, one of the best movies of the past 10 years, it's just hard when you can only pick 40, or in my case, 41, uh, it, it, I mean, like, I think we, we talked, we did a whole episode on it, so I should just shut up. Listen to our episode featuring Brennan O'Brien if you want to hear more about my in-depth thoughts. Cool. So what's your 23? Moonlight. So oh, we'll talk about so it later. we'll move on to 22. 22. Um, what's your 22? My 22 is Birdman. Not on my list. Oh, shit. Cool. Uh, so I'm in the movie Birdman, and... Uh, I like how that's how you started. <laughs> I just want everyone to know that I worked on a Best Picture winner, and no one can take that away from me. So no matter what happens in my life, at least I was there. Uh, you know, we had no idea. I, it was just another job for me. I mean, I was excited because I saw the cast and everything, so I was, like, excited that I was working on a film with those people. But, um, yeah, I was, so I was in the audience. I was a featured extra um and worked on it for quite a long time because there were a lot of audience scenes obviously there's a lot of like they filmed the play so like there's a lot of those parts I was sitting up in the box can't really like see me that well it's kind of blurry because obviously like the focus is on what's going on on stage but it was amazing to be there and to see um the way that they filmed it obviously like you know the long takes um to see that in person was like very crazy and to see how Inari too just like his energy was so different from any other director that I've ever been on set with and um just watching him do all that like the scene where you know um like Naomi Watts and and Ed Norton are um backstage like in the bed and you know um like seeing all that seeing him shoot all that like seeing just being able to view him like moving like he would like be on the side of the camera and like seeing him like move and like direct everything 
and like he like talks a lot like during the directing like I guess they edit his voice out like I don't I don't really know but like seeing all of that happen like I hadn't really seen anything be filmed like that before like it was very very unique and genius and I was like so curious to see what the movie was going to end up being like because when you're when you're there and you're seeing like I mean obviously if you're listening to this podcast you know how long it takes to film like one scene in a movie it takes days to film one scene so like we were there for days and days on end and I saw these scenes get shot over and over and over and I saw him like running around (laughs) the stage and like from backstage to on stage and like there would be some times where like you know it was long takes so like the, the, the scene would start backstage and like we couldn't see anything and then like all like we would just be sitting there while they were filming in a different like area and then you know we would be um cued to like react and then like you know Naomi Watts would come like running out and then this and then like the scene in front of us would be and um but it was the continuation of like a very long take so I mean it, it's just to me like it's just uh, and read is amazing in general obviously like he's one of the greats these days and uh I just love the unique nature of it. I love the performances, and I love um, I love the line um, that Ed Norton says. I can't remember the exact wording of it right now, um, but he says like he's he's talking about like how nothing like when he's on stage, there's nothing wrong. Like nothing bothers him on stage. Like like it's just it's just like a show business movie, and like I've been that way my whole life. Like I don't know why I don't have family in show business. Nothing. Like I just since birth, I've been like I want to be on stage. I want to be on camera. I want to be performing. I want to be in front of people, and that's it. That's 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 it. Period. Like I don't care about other things. I mean, I do, but you know what I mean. Like not for my personal like career or life. So I just find it relatable. Um, and I love all the performances. This was kind of like a Michael Keaton comeback, and he was unreal. Uh, Emma Stone is great in it. Everyone's great in it. Zach Galifianakis, baby. You know what? He was, like, a big part of the... Um, like, I didn't even... I don't even know if I remember seeing him, but he was, like... People were kind of saying, like, oh, this is a Zach Galifianakis slash Emma Stone comedy that's also kind of like a drama. Like, I didn't... And there, and I didn't really like realize what it actually was gonna be. I feel like because at the time those two, like when this movie was in production, like those two were like very, very big comedy stars. Like you have to remember that like Zach became famous from The Hangover, and like Emma Stone at that time like had not done barely any dramas. I think, um, I think The Help like had maybe just come out or like whatever. Like she wasn't known as being what she's known for now at all. She was like a comedic actress and he was a comedic actor. So like people were kind of like focused on them and this movie is totally not about them. (laughs) So, so it was just like, you know, I mean, it's just the marketing. It's a bit. Yeah. And like just the, the visually, I mean, everything, everything. It's, it's a, it's an iconic movie and and I'm so, so, so I feel insanely grateful because it was literally just a job I took. I was like, whatever, I need a job. I need money. And it ended up being the best picture and it was one of the best experiences of my career. So (laughs) yeah, you never know. Yeah. Now my friend who, uh, he had like, he was the guy who had the plate uh, of in Green Book. <laughs> he probably had no idea that was going to be that good. He was probably just like, oh, another random film being shot down here. Like, I wonder what's going to happen with it. And then Kermit Burns, now he has a line in Green Book. And he was in something else that I saw. He was in Wounds, I think. Good for him. Um, all right. Shall I go on to my 22nd? Yes, please. Ex Machina. Oh, I haven't seen it. Wow. I know. Um, yeah, so this is the precursor, uh, to Annihilation for Alex Garland. Uh, it's kind of Westworld-y in a lot of ways now that I'm watching it. Um, and I think everybody should just watch it if you're into sci-fi. Uh, I don't want to, like, dig too deep into it. Uh, it's a great Alicia Vikander film. Shout out Rena. That's her favorite actress. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Rena's obsessed with her. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just think everybody should watch it, especially as we're probably going into uh, the next decade, which is going to be more um, influenced by robot technology, I think, and artificial intelligence. This is like the artificial intelligence film of the decade, I think. And everybody should watch it. I cannot comment, but I it's one of those that's been on my list basically since it came out. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Also, great cinematography. Um, 
Honestly, like, if you like Annihilation, you're gonna love this, because it's just so much better. Like, I feel like Annihilation was missing something compared to this film. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's, like, that good. That's why it's on the best of the decade list. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, you can't see, but Jordan just shimmied, so I just feel like that should be noted. Yeah. Uh, okay, so my 21 is Drive. Same. No way. How funny. Oh my god. Wow. Wow. Just defining masculinity and coolness and style for the decade. Well, I also, you're, you're 100% right, but I also just love movies that kind of like examine like a, a certain person's job or something that like you don't really think about that much. I mean, I guess I think about stunt performers a lot because like I'm in show business, but like most people like don't give much thought to that kind of job. You know what I mean? And like to see the story of someone who has that gig, obviously there's so much more to the movie. It's not like it's like, here's what it's like to be a stunt performer, but like taking a profession and then turning it into, you know, a basis for this kind of story. So fascinating. Like the music too. Like this, this was like this era of my life was like very influenced by like the soundtrack like night call like also I, like that was uh, have i told you the story or have we talked about this film on here i don't know just like ryan gosling and nicholas winding refn were like talking about the film and like driving around the streets of la and then that pop song came on and they were like this is the film oh and it's just like all about that pop music and like driving around and like being alone and like <laughs> Yeah. Just escaping by looking at the lights and listening to, like, glam pop and just being like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. whoa. <laughs> that's, like, so much of my, like, when I, the first, when I first got my car, like, that's what I did all the time. Like, I would just blast music and I would drive around, like, I would just stop at, like, random gas stations and get, like, you know, a bag of chips. <laughs> and then I would, like, drive for another hour and, like, just, just like, listen to music and just, like, be alone and, like, think and... That this is a very quiet movie. Like it's a lot of thinking. Uh, also, not to um, not to forget what's her name. How am I forgetting her name? Jerry Mulligan. Yes. Uh, she's great. Like first of all, she's like very uh, she's so prolific this decade. But she's so good in the movie. Like she says so much with just her eyes. Well, we're also starting to get into the Oscar Isaac dominance oh of my the God. decade. I love him. Uh, he had some of the biggest classics, and this was his weirdest racial movie, I think. He played Hispanic? Uh, (laughs) he did. Oh, yeah. Um. We'll get into his Jewish role later. His Jewish folk singer role. Oh my gosh. Yes, we we will get into it later. In fact, in fact, we will. Yeah. I also love the poster for Drive, and I, I love all the imagery, like the bright pink. It was just so stylistic, and, like, mm-hmm. I thought Nicholas Winding Refn was going to just go into a decade of just amazing films, and unfortunately we didn't really get that. I still didn't watch Neon Demon, did you? Uh, it kind of had, like, now that I've watched Black Swan, it kind of feels like a worse Black Swan. Okay. If that makes sense. Gotcha. It's very stylistic, and it's cool, and it talks a lot about models, and maybe that's why the industry hates it, because it's basically saying that, like, the industry just abuses models. <laughs> And forces them to be crazy. They, that's true. Um, yeah, so maybe that's why it's not a popular film. <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys, we're cracking the top 20. What is your 20? Good time. Sweet, let's talk about it. Uh, it's just like one of the fucking best movies ever. It's so amazing. It's like, it's like Uncut Gems's brother, you know? Like, it's uh, it's an all-night New York masterpiece mm-hmm. um, about these two brothers. I love the brotherly bond. It's so good. Rob Pattinson is phenomenal. I talked about this movie, right? Yeah, the I've disabled brother to- was supposed to be in Uncut Gems, though. He was a character from that script. What? Yeah, did you know that? Oh, my God. I've been hearing them in interviews, and that's what they were saying, is that that character was supposed to be, like, Howard's, like, sidekick, kind of, and then he got cut out of the script Uh, after some edits because they made good time, and they were like, we don't need him to come back into this. No, it would be so great if it was, like, a Kevin Smith thing where they had the characters from the same, like, it's all one world. Ah! I mean, I still consider it to be, like, one world anyway. Um, Jennifer Jason Leigh also, great. Um, Just everything... Like, the the, all, the whole theme park scene. Oh, my God. And yeah. when he gives him the acid. Oh, Jesus. The awkwardness of, like, the, that, that, that teenage girl in the house and 
Rob Pattinson for me really popped in this movie. Like, I actually, not to be one of those people that's like, I knew him before, but like, he, before Twilight, he was in Harry Potter. Not that you know anything about that. I do. Cedric <laughs> Diggory dies. What? Oh my god. <laughs> I have watched enough to know that much. Yeah. Um. I love like that. I actually went. Me and my friends as babies went to the premiere of that movie. Um. We didn't get in, but we were outside, and I we like saw him, and you know screamed, and um. So I've like loved him since then, and I always thought he was great, but like. This was a whole other level of his acting, and it really, like, to me... Somebody once name-dropped Robert Pattinson to try to Me Too me. Why? Just like this wardrobe guy in a film that I was working on. He was like, I worked with Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart, and it's like... Congratulations. Yeah, he was just, like, trying to very much, like, bring me into his hotel room, and I was like, nah. <laughs> I'm really sorry that happened to you. That is gross. Um... Yeah. It's fine. I was only 17. And it didn't end up bad, so I guess it's fine. <laughs> you didn't go up there? Yeah, no. Well, I had to go up to his hotel room because I was helping him with the wardrobe, but oh. I didn't go into his hotel room, so to speak. I stood out in the doorway, even though he wanted me to come into his hotel room. He's 100% a dude who was involved with, like, Brian Singer and Kevin Spacey uh. and shit. Like, he's definitely, like, was just gay in Hollywood and, like, in that pedophilic ring where they were preying on, like, boys who were just breaking into the industry. Um, in that kind of, like, weird cross-section between, like, Jeffrey Epstein and Man Boy Love and Brian Singer and Dan Schneider making all the entertainment for children, but being a pedophile at the same time. So, that kind of, like, made me sad. (laughs) Sorry to make you sad. No, it's okay. Do you have Honey Boy on your list? (laughs) Talk about it as much as you need to. Um, Oh, no. No, I don't have Honey Boy on my list, even though I love Honey Boy. I also do not have it on my list. It's on my 2019 list. Yeah, Good Time is another one of those movies that, like, it it just keeps your attention so, so well. Like, you're gripped the whole time, and you just, I couldn't wait one minute to the next to see what was going to happen, and uh, it's, it's a really, like, a ride. It's like a roller coaster, but not in a negative way. Not like how Marty was talking about Marvel movies. It's like a good ride. (laughs) And uh, I think it's like a must. It's one of those movies that I really recommend to everyone. Like when people are asking me, which happens all the time, people ask me like what movies I should watch. And it's just, it comes right right to my mind every time. Beautiful film. Yes. We're on uh, 19. No, my 20th. Oh, 20th. Weird pick. Probably. I, I don't know. Um, Josephine Decker's Madeline's Madeline. Oh, I wasn't a fan. You were not a fan? No. I just thought it was a very interesting uh, way of doing a movie. Uh-huh. And I think as somebody who's been like tied to theater and tied to uh, the art and like mentors and like parents who may not understand your art and like understand the process... And just kind of navigating being a young artist and, like, how do you have your privacy as a young artist, which I thought was a very cool thing that this uh, film touched on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we don't really have to talk about it too much more if you weren't a fan of it. No, it's okay. I like hearing, like, I like when I'm hearing from someone that loves something that I just didn't, like, connect with because I feel like that's what movies are about and... I'm happy that you felt that way about it. Like, just because I didn't, it's, you know. It's just, like, one of those films where you're just, like, I totally, like, being around theater stuff, like, I know this this person. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, a very good portrayal of somebody who is definitely a prodigy and just, like, how you navigate being a prodigy when people are, like, telling you to do different things and you don't really know who the right person is to listen to and how everybody thinks they know what's best for you but you think you have agency because you're an artist and you're thinking constantly but everybody's like no you're a child you don't know what you're talking about yeah um yeah and also just like how art brings you away from your family kind of i think that's also an interesting thing because like a lot of art is based off of your family and friends and, like, stuff that happens to you and, like, really disconnecting that from your actual life is very tough. And I think this film talks about that in a very interesting way. Um, Just the cross-section between the reality of your life and, like, disconnecting it from the art and, like, finding your way as an artist and kind of 
avoiding the scrutiny of like everybody who's constantly judging you and trying to break you down because for some reason we're just trained as like Americans to just break everybody down and tell them how bad they are at everything (laughs) you know what like that makes me think about how like I'm fascinated by fame and celebrity and I think part of the reason is because like we all have like our own narrative of our lives like I think I'm this certain way and I have this view of my life and like when you become famous there's like an entirely other narrative of your life that's crafted by the media. It's like what other people and news outlets choose to pick out about your life and focus on is is what your life becomes in the perception of others. And then there's like this whole other part of your life that's like who you actually are. And it's like when you have to make art at the same time as you're being perceived as this other thing. like. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, I, like talking about Rob Pattinson, I recently listened to him on something. I don't know. I listened to so many podcasts. And um, he was like, oh, on NPR. They were asking him about um, like how he got made fun of, like the whole situation with him and Kristen Stewart. Like she cheated on him publicly. And like like um, he was like made fun of. They were made fun of. Their relationship was made fun of. And um, so I think it was like, I don't remember who, but someone was saying like, Rob Oh, it was Donald Trump was saying, like, if you go back to Kristen Stewart, you're an idiot. Like, before he was a candidate or anything, yeah. <laughs> he was posting about it on Twitter. And, and Rob made a really interesting comment when, when um, asked, like, how did he feel about that? And he was like, so I just feel like that's a completely different person. Like, like when you talk about that Rob Pattinson, whose relationship is being commented on by Donald Trump, he's like, that's not me. That's, like, another person. And it's true. Like, it is another person. It's the persona of the celebrity Rob Pattinson. But, like, that's not who he actually is. But that also exists in the world. You know what I mean? It's, like, very weird. Well, yeah. Like, even listening to Robert Pattinson, like, he's a very, like, normal, down-to-earth person. And, like he has very mature things to say about his relationship with Kristen Stewart. Yeah. He's, like, very publicly queer. And, and he didn't lash out at all. Now. I mean, she, <laughs> she really was, like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't, I try not to judge at all. But, like, that was really shitty. Like, that, t- she was out in public with that guy. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna steal someone's husband, you know, do it privately. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> don't do it when you know you're gonna be photographed. Like, come on, man. But, uh, you know, I, that's a tough situation, and he never really clapped back at any way. Like, he's just, he's just, like, a normal person, yet there's this whole other persona of him out Well, it's there. like you see who the actual, like, legitimate artists are, like, through that, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like we've finally gotten out of the age of the tabloids, which is good, because that was just a terrible era to live in, like, the 2000s. Mm-hmm. This decade, I feel like, was kind of determined by, like, how artists wanted to be perceived in public, I think, more or less. Like, I don't think there were a lot of people who were abused in the 2010s as much as, like, the 2000s. Like, that was more taking people and running with it and, like, trying to get people in compromising positions. Mm-hmm. Now we're kind of in an age where, like, yeah, you can have a Lakeith Stanfield have his Instagram account and just be, like, posting funny shit to his Instagram account, and that's all he does, and, like, he's just out in the world, and it doesn't really matter what else he does. I am stunned it took this long for you to bring up your boyfriend, Lakeith. Well, I haven't gotten to any of his films yet. Because <laughs> they're so <laughs> they're high in the good. list. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break right now. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your capitalism. Serve the best cold. (laughs) 